Blue Jacket goalies are doing their best out here, but uh, what exactly are they doing? Why? And can they be doing it a little bit better? We've got a goalie expert on the show today. Uh, we're talking to Kat Silverman, all about Maslikins, Klubsalo, Tarasov, and even Sergei Ivanov. That's all coming up today on Locked on Blue Jackets. Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you news, stories, uh, information, about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before you get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button over there, then feel free to do so. It helps me out. It helps you out. Uh, you can get notified when all the episodes go live and uh, everybody wins. We love wins in this show. But uh, today we're going to talk about why the Blue Jackets haven't been winning as much as they should be. Uh, And honestly, a little bit of that is goaltending. So uh, I've got goalie expert Kat Silverman on the show. We're going to talk about uh, Elvis' slow start to the season. We're going to talk about why it might be better not to throw Tarasov to the Wolves so early in his career. And uh, we also check in on Jonas Kopisalo and his future, either with the team or without the team. So that's all coming up today. And I'll just uh, get right into it. So the Blue Jackets goaltending has been up and down to start the season, I think is maybe the most generous way of talking about it. And so I figured, hey, I'm going to go get the person who knows the most about goaltending ever in the world to come and try and figure out what's uh, what's going on with the CBJ tandem. So I got Kat Silverman to uh, come and talk to us a little bit about Elvis Moslikins, about Neil Tarasov, about uh, Jonas Kopsalo, and maybe touching on a couple of the goaltending prospects as well. But um yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show, Kat. Uh, you watched the game last night. Uh, was there anything good that the Blue Jackets can take from that game in terms of goaltending? Because it's um, kind of bad. I I think they allowed fewer goals than the Ottawa Senators did against the Coyotes last year. Because I believe they had a game where uh, Nick Schmaltz had eight points. Um, so the Blue Jackets only allowed six goals total. I mean, hey, I'll take small victories, you know? <laughs> I think that's a win. <laughs> In fairness, one of them was an empty net goal as well. So technically yeah, five awesome. goals on an, on an actual goalie. But uh, yeah, it was, it was just rough. And like, I, I, I we could talk about Tarasov in, in a minute, but I'm, I'm pretty high on him as a, as a goaltending prospect, uh, don't necessarily think he's NHL ready. And I think he had a really good game in New York. Elvis has not been great to start the season. Again, something that I want to kind of get into a little bit later, but they clearly saw him play against New York and were like, yeah, we'll just throw this kid in again. He played well there. And then it kind of, I mean, if you're going to have a bad game, it might as well be against the Arizona Coyotes in October. Because that's, that's an accident at that point. You can say, oh, that, that didn't happen. Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to I kind of start off because we talked, I want to say last off-season, 
I think we talked so. about the the goaltending situation. Um, how do you feel about Muslikins? Obviously, he had he had a, a I thought he was fine last season. I think he had like a nine oh seven, yeah, or nine oh nine oh eight to finish the season, which is it was which is fine, yeah. yeah. Um, hasn't been great to start this season. Um, what like have you got any kind of insights maybe into? why he's struggling to start the season is this just kind of a continuation of the downward slide that we've kind of been seeing since his rookie season like is this something we should be worried about I don't necessarily think so it's it's interesting because I think he hasn't been put in a particularly easy situation this year uh and I don't want to continue to to just give him excuse after excuse because I think last year we we did give him a little bit of an adjustment pass um given that he had lost his best friend over the off season and, you know, was having some issues with playing at home. And, uh, you know, I think it to start off this year, it's not necessarily that I think he is having trouble adjusting. I think it's that the team doesn't look amazing. I think they, they look, uh, it's, it's hard for him. It's hard for any goalie to start off the season and really just hit the ground running when the team isn't giving them a consistent system to work off of. And I know before we officially hit record here, uh, we kind of mentioned that the team either allows everything or they allow nothing. And they really don't have anything in between. When you look at the shot volume for games that uh, the Marys-Lakins has started, they have like 23 shots, 25 shots, 24 shots, and then like 39 shots, 42 shots. And so that's, it's hard to really settle into a rhythm, not just from like a rhythmic standpoint of how frequently the shots are coming, but from a, a defensive deployment system in front of him. He's, he's not really getting any consistency when it comes to where the defense is playing. I know I watched, uh, just watched a couple of the highlights from prior games this year. And when they were playing the blues, there was a moment where, uh, when, when Tarasenko scored on him, where it seemed like, the team had turned the puck back around and he was coming back out of his crease for a moment to just sort of get himself reset, get himself recentered. And there was a turnover within the defensive zone, which is, that's not really what you want to see happen. Um, and against the Coyotes, that was like, like we said, kind of a throwaway game, but they, he's still, you know, not, he's not a true veteran for the team by any stretch. And he's really been put in that veteran position where, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to damage Daniil Tarasov by keeping him in a game where he is very clearly drowning. And so Ms. Likens, who really hasn't started off the season super hot anyway, got sent in for cleanup, which doesn't do anything positive for his stats or his sense of essentially reestablishing his rhythm. So, and part of that's I know Eunice Corposalo is out, so that's that makes it kind of a hard situation. I've got more of my conversation with Kat coming up in just a minute, but first I've got to tell you all about Bet Online because uh, it's your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. And if you want to put some money on, uh, I don't know, Elvis Mosleykins having a big turnaround and winning the Vesna at the end of the season, then BetOnline.net is where you can do that. You can find player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth analysis on every game and every sport. And it remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information uh, with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport 
out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. Uh, they've got MLB, they've got MMA, boxing, golf, they've got F1, they've got NASCAR, they've got the NBA, they've got the NFL, they've also got the NHL, which is the most important one, obviously. So head to betonline.net today on your laptop or your mobile device to learn more, because Bet Online is where the game starts. I was surprised that... Uh... The Blue Jackets weren't one of the teams that picked up one of the goaltenders that's been on waivers. I know that they played Connor Ingram in this particular game against the Coyotes. The Coyotes got him on waivers. Yeah. <laughs> he used to be a top prospect. Uh, he's not not that I consider him a throwaway. But if something goes wrong there, he's not the prospect that you've been developing consistently for the last... I mean, the Blue Jackets very specifically put Tarasov in Finland so that they had a scout there that could watch him and could help guide him. And so they very clearly invested in his development. And you could bring someone in that if it doesn't pan out, you're not causing one of your young guys to scramble and ruining his development. And you're also not causing Merzlikens, if he starts off slow, which he has been, to sort of have to hit the ground running whether he likes it or not and that's that's a weird situation for them to be in there's really no third goaltender there that they can sort of use as a crutch that wouldn't impact the team's future down the line because I think no matter what you do with Tarasov and Merzlikens that impacts the team's future yeah for sure it's it feels very much like they're kind of just gonna ride Musley kids until he breaks, which is you know something that obviously um, you, you, you see Saros last season played like yeah. seventy games or something insane, and it does feel a little bit like they're just gonna do that to Musleykins, which I don't love. Um, but it also feels to me a little bit like they, I don't know, like I feel like the last time we talked as well, they had a pretty solid goaltending pipeline. You know, there was Musleykins, there was Corpusalo, there was Kivlenix, um, who obviously passed away last summer. Uh, Vaini Vevelainen, who got traded to Toronto and then immediately went back to Finland. And I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, it, it's, we've got up-and-coming goalies, we've got a pipeline, it's fine. And it feels like they're still kind of trying to recover from that. And, it, it like, so obviously Tarasov's development has kind of been shunted forward. And then they obviously they ended up picking up Jet Greaves, who, in fairness, I really like Jet Greaves. Yeah. Um, I've liked I liked him last season in the AHL. I think he had a pretty solid preseason training camp. Um, maybe he's an option down the road, but it does feel like there's a big gap in the goaltending between Muslikins and Tarasov that probably should have been filled by, you know, a Kiv Lennox, for example. And that exactly. obviously hasn't... And anyone at this point. <laughs> right, yeah. Just like a, a, literally a stopgap. Pick up a, a veteran guy or, you know... But hopefully Muslikins uh, kind of picks it up because I'm, I'm a big Muslikins fan. The podcast knows this. Um, I think everyone knows this at this point. I love Elvis Muslikins. I want him to succeed. I think we can see that. You can see flashes of that guy that we had in his rookie season where he had like five shutouts in the space of eight games. You know, he just can't seem to do that consistently. Um but I want to talk a little bit as well about Jonas Corposalo, who obviously hasn't played yet this season. And it feels like he's been halfway out of town for the past, like, two seasons. You know, every offseason, I'm like, man, they're going to get rid of Jonas Corposalo at the trade deadline, and then they keep him and they resign him to another one-year contract. Obviously, they've chosen Muslikins as the future starter, you know, for better or worse. Um, 
he got the five-year contracts. Corpusalo got the one-year contract for a fraction of the money. How do you see Jonas Corpusalo's future going? Like, obviously, he's probably not going to be a Blue Jacket after this season. Is he a guy that could, you know, go somewhere else and have a bit of a career resurgence? Is he a guy that could be a potential starter? Or do you think he's one of those guys that is just going to be a backup that gets shuttled from team to team to team as and when they need an extra guy? I, it's, I hate saying, I hate not giving him a vote of confidence because I think he's good. I mean, he's, he wouldn't have stuck around the NHL for this long if he didn't have enough consistency to his game to be putting up at least NHL numbers, maybe not NHL starter numbers, but NHL numbers. Um, I, it's funny because I think that he and Merzlikens have such different games in that you have no idea what Merzlikens is going to pull out any given game because he has so much creativity in his arsenal. And I know that playing under Michael Lawrence, they back in Switzerland, they really tried to rein in the overall playing style there. They tried to take what a Dusan Sidor had worked on with Merzlikens when he was a much younger goalie, which is adding anything to your arsenal. It's, you know, working on, spinning before you drop into butterfly it's working on having somebody stand directly in front of you while you make all of your saves just to see what happens it's starting facing the net and then turning around and going in a wider and deeper more exaggerated stance just to just to see what happens and i think that's given merzlikens that invaluable creativity and then his game was sort of calmed down a little bit and he was given more control and structure under lawrence but when you look at Corpusalo, it's the opposite. You see a game that's really, really structured and predictable, which is nice because sometimes Merzlikens has a game where you're like, oh, what are you <laughs> He likes to go on adventures sometimes is the thing. Sometimes, yeah, you're like, oh, come back, come back, come back. And you don't see that from Corpusalo, but you do see predictability when it comes to his weaknesses. And so I think that teams have figured out that he doesn't quite angle out enough. You know, he stays a little too flat to his goal line. So he ends up with these sort of exploitable corners in his game that even though he's got speed and he's got some pretty good edge control, he just doesn't seem to have that that extra little dimension to his game. He doesn't have that depth control to really close off those trickier shots, which if a team has good enough shooters on it, you know, they can just absolutely cherry pick him to death. And so I don't think he's ever true starter material, but I would have said the same thing about Darcy Kemper when he was with the Minnesota wild. So I think it potentially could take just having him get out of town and just have another coach completely relook at what they're doing with him and strip him down and, you know, try and build him back up again. I don't know how possible that is. It doesn't work for every goaltender, but it, it could. In a minute, I'm going to continue my conversation with Kat about all things goalies. Uh, but first, I want to thank you again for making Locked on Blue Jackets your first listen today. For your second listen today, make sure you go check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today is available uh, on this app, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it feels like adaptability is something that he struggles with. I feel like it's very much a... if if, Which sounds really mean, but 
if the if it's a regular game, I feel like he does really well. If the game starts to get a little bit out of hand or, you know, he lets in a, a weird goal, I feel like it kind of not rattles him, but I think he overreacts to mistakes yeah, a little bit. Um if it's a if it's a if he doesn't get Again, this is going to sound really bad. If he doesn't really get challenged, I feel like he's a really solid goalie. And we've seen phenomenal goaltending from him at times over the last couple of seasons. I mean, he was an all-star in his first season as a starter until Jonathan Tames broke his knee and he missed a bunch of time. Um, but it's it's a shame as well, because I like Jonas Corposalo. He's great in the room, a really nice guy by all accounts. Um but it does feel like it's time for him to move on. And yeah, I would love to see him get an opportunity somewhere else. Like you said, like Darcy Kemper, who kind of really refound his game when he moved to uh, Arizona, right? He went Arizona and then to Colorado and then... LA really got it sort of reshaped when he got... uh, I think he signed there as a free agent and then they traded him to Arizona and there took off and I think we could see that from Corpus Allo, but it's almost uh, I think that's the the potential like that's the best case scenario I think the worst case is a Calvin Pickard who mm. it's almost and it's not even mean it's I think there's there's a hockey sense timing thing there where if you don't have necessarily the the instinctual ability to just know when you need to just toss your technique out the door and do something else because you don't have time to think about that you you really just have to have to be able to read it preemptively and I feel like like you said when he doesn't have to read that or when he's already reading like that and hasn't had a misread somewhere in there he does just fine and then as soon as he just sort of has to second guess himself it, it slows his thought process down so much, which sometimes happens with overthinkers. It's not even saying that he's he lacks the hockey IQ. He might have too much thought going into it, which is really what happened with Kemper. They had to sort of strip down his thought process and tell him, like, you are a goldfish. Just, just go out there. <laughs> one and, thought at a time, that's all. One thought at a time. And that's, I think we see some of the best goalies around the league are the ones who are able to sort of turn it off and just not even think during the game, which we see from Rizlikens. We see from guys like, I think, a similar type of situation in Boston with Jeremy Swayman and Lena Solmark. I think Lena Solmark overthinks it. And Swayman's a goldfish. If he allows a really bad goal, it, nothing changes. His game is exactly where it was right before he allowed the goal. And I think that's something that maybe Corpus Allo could could use discovering, to put it nicely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to talk as well about some of our uh, prospects, I guess. It, is Tarasov still technically a prospect? He should be. <laughs> he should be, however. <laughs> um, obviously, Arizona was not the best showing that Tarasov could have done, but like I mentioned, I thought he played really well against New York. I thought he played really well in the season opener against Carolina as well. He made like, he made 39 of 43 saves against a, a Carolina team that is extremely good at putting the puck in the net. Um, struggled against Tampa Bay, but like who doesn't struggle against Tampa Bay? <laughs> on a, you know, <laughs> generally speaking, what have you seen from Tarasov in terms of uh, like, where do you think his ceiling is? Do you think that 
the Blue Jackets, I guess my question is, do the Blue Jackets need to monitor his development more closely than they are doing? Because it does feel a little bit like right now they are just kind of throwing him to the Wolves. Does he need to just go back and sit in the AHL for one to three seasons? Or is could this work? I think in a perfect world, he goes back not even for a few seasons, just for even just parts of the year. If they're able to get just a little bit more pressure-free game action for him, because there's really no replacement for game action, which is why we're seeing so many goaltenders struggle right now, because so many of them lost out on partial seasons, or they lost out on full seasons, or they even lost out on having the game level that they needed for their seasons. And, but I, I think right now it's almost like a, a must win type situation. And I don't know if that's the best place for him. I think sending him back to the AHL just for a chance to get those reps in, in games where it doesn't matter. It will no disrespect to, to fans of the monsters in Cleveland. I think they they would agree that if their goaltender has a bad game, it's not going to hurt anything. It just gives them a chance to really face some reps, and it gives them a chance to face some chaos that doesn't come with skill sometimes. You know, I think right. there's you get the skill and you get the chaos, and then in the NHL you get it combined. And I think giving him a chance to sort of take a step back and do that again, even just for a little bit, because he's coming off injury surgery as well, because he had hip surgery last year, correct? Yes. Yeah. And yes, so that played like two and a half games and then left without like any, no one noticed an injury or anything. He just left after a period and didn't come back. And I was like, oh no. And then we just didn't hear anything about him for like a month. And then it was like, oh, we had hip surgery. He's going to be done for six months or whatever. But uh, he's apparently completely healthy right now. Um, so we'll see. It's funny because my worry with him being called, or I guess called up, he technically made the camp, made the team out of camp because, you know, Scott Solo went immediately on IR. He's still not 100% from his hip surgery. Um, my worry was that he was just going to sit on the bench forever and not play. Surprise. Which I think is which which is a, a worry for you know any young players or right. you know especially young goalies because like yeah training with an NHL team is great but like you said there's no replacement for game action and I would much rather have a young goalie starting in the AHL and backing up in the NHL but he's played about as many games as Mosley can so far so it I could do think really go either way him. I do think that's good for him uh, I. I wish he was being given some AHL action just to, because when you come back from hip surgery, especially as a goaltender, even if everything is quote unquote fully healthy, your body never moves quite the same way just because there is no, no way to fully eliminate biomechanical scar tissue when you have any sort of surgery and any sort of injury. And I think that, rediscovering his limitations and rediscovering what certain actions feel like, what his timing feels like, uh, being able to listen to his own body after hip surgery in NHL games that are of consequence is I like, ideally that's not how you do it. Right. Even, even high level NHLers get sent down for a game or two to the AHL just to, just to clean things up really quickly. And the fact that he's, 
getting to do it in the NHL is not not how I would have done it. Um, I do think that he movement wise looks fine. I think he it's not necessarily that I think something has needs to be relearned. I just think he is reworking on his timing because there are some timing issues there and there is a little bit of some of the power in his movements when it comes to his depth management because uh, he's he's a tall lanky guy who could end up looking like a like a balloon on the side of a used car dealership if he doesn't watch out and that's something that rediscovering his control level and how quickly he'll move after rehabbing from something like a hip surgery is that's something that takes a little bit of time and I think he looks fine as long as he doesn't start to second guess himself because he's faced some really fluky defensive plays that have allowed like we said the Columbus Blue Jackets defense allowed an unassisted wraparound by Zach Cassian they should (laughs) (laughs) I do want to I do want to you you pointed something out there that I hadn't considered um which is Obviously, with hip surgery, he's still working, getting the strength, like 100% strength back. And I wonder if that, because if you if you kind of watch the goal back, the he stops the first shot, and then I guess Cassian just kind of pushes the puck, and he's not, he doesn't quite have that strength to stay on the post. And so I'm wondering if that's the kind of goal that we'll see get eliminated as he gets stronger and as he, you know, fully kind of recovers. So. I would guess so. Uh, I think that's partially not not realizing that even someone like Zach Cassian is is capable of doing that because in AHL action you know if somebody you know if you stop that first shot chances are the player you're facing doesn't have the control to corral a puck and just shovel it in and and we see that against other goalies too I know uh, there was a a really tricky one by David Pasternak on oh I don't even remember which team it was against uh, earlier this year where he really lost control for a second and deked around the defense and just sort of shoveled the puck in. And that's something that if you're used to playing against NHL action and you haven't faced action at all in months, uh, you're not necessarily prepared for that. And just being able to stop those weird little fluky things is something that it takes practice and it takes reps and I, I truly just hope he doesn't end up second guessing himself at all. And I think that when Elvis is having fun, everyone is having fun. And so I yes. think if Elvis starts having more fun, uh, we could see things improve for Tarasov as well. Cause that is uh, to the blue jackets benefit. That is a dynamic that works well is Rizlikens with anyone. Because he's not in it to, like, they can work him into the ground and he'll do it without complaint. Uh, He certainly took on the majority of the workload in Switzerland. So we know he's capable of that volume. But he enjoys watching his teammates thrive as much as he enjoys thriving himself. So I think it's a best case scenario for a prospect to be in that sort of a tandem. So long as the tandem is doing well. And that's all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow, we are going to preview the Bruins game 
the the Blue Jackets Bruins game. Uh, we're going to talk about what the Bruins have been doing so far this season. The answer is the most. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about Brad Marchand, who I believe is playing tonight, but will not be playing for the Blue Jackets tomorrow. Fingers crossed. And uh, we're also going to finish up the conversation with Kat about uh, goalie prospects. So uh, that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Thank you for listening to this episode, making it your first listen or your first watch of the day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't hit subscribe on uh, on YouTube, then please do so. Like I said, it helps me out massively. Uh, you can get notified when all the episodes go live. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at LO underscore Blue Jackets. Uh, if you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on. <laughs>